From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. I was continually not only confined by social expectations, but driven by them. Today on episode 84 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Scott Mason. It took Scott over 20 years to make a career move that would start addressing his frustration with being a circle trying to fit into a box. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Scott Mason. Scott is a professional speaker and small business consultant. In 2017, he became an entrepreneur for the first time as co-owner of the Brooklyn Press, a silkscreen printing company in New York City and Newburgh, New York. Previously, Scott was the general counsel and vice president of operations for Urban Resource Institute, America's largest provider of domestic violence shelters and an operator of homeless shelters. He also spent nearly 20 years in executive and in-house counsel positions with various city of New York agencies. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you. It is good to be here. Great to have you on. So, Scott, you made the transition from employment to entrepreneurship twice. Yes. What's behind that? You know, I think that it was the ongoing search to find the circle outside of the boxes that I kept finding myself in via traditional employment. Entrepreneurship allows us to draw that circle. And if you're not someone that fits into a box, it's a beautiful alternative. That is so well said. I love that. What made you do it twice? What happened the first time? Because you went back to employment. And then what happened the second time? So as we, as you mentioned, I worked for nearly 20 years with the city of New York in various managerial and executive positions. You know, it is very true, the cliche that people don't necessarily leave the actual work they do, but they leave the work environment that they were in. I found that particularly with the city of New York under the administrations that I was working in, the environments that were created both via the leadership and the larger civil service culture that is imbued within every governmental agency were ones that discouraged innovation, discouraged really creative, innovative, lateral style thinking becoming reality, and also were not places where someone who had a tendency to have his own vision, such as myself, could ever really see a vision realized. The last job that I had with the city was as the second-in-command of the administrative tribunal system. The Power dynamics, the sense of frustration that I had after many years of attempting to sort of find this place within government where I could really fit, where what I was bringing to the table could really come out and where I could feel connected to the work, irrespective of the intrinsic value of the projects that I was working on, ultimately became too much to bear. It led to a series of escalating senses of frustration on my end, as well as a disagreement about where and what my role within the 
agency that I worked for would look like and should be. And so ultimately, between that and my fear of being with the city too long and, and ending up a one of these blue suit of bureaucrats that never did anything but sit by, you know behind a desk for the rest of their lives, I realized that I had a pension that I had just vested in and had an opportunity to try something new. So I stepped out on my own for a while. Uh, it was the height of the Great Recession. There were not a lot of jobs for me to immediately hop into. And so I began doing some consultancy work for small businesses after meeting a man that owned a family of martial arts school through an introduction via a friend of ours. He was looking for someone who had infrastructure and legal compliance experience. I matched it. We met. It was love at first sight. And so that was really a entrepreneurial journey that began really out of necessity to get money. And I viewed it at that time as a temporary solution until I got another job. However, that later changed. How much later did it change? I worked at the next job I had, which was for the Urban Resource Institute for about four years. However, during that time, I kept a side hustle going just for some extra money in which I was providing consulting services to that family of schools as well as some other small businesses. And eventually one of the small businesses that I developed a relationship with, we worked on projects for about three years together. And you know, I met him through the martial arts schools. He was a much better martial artist than me. He would headlock me night after night throw me down to the mat, and we would laugh and have a grand old time doing it. Then we would go and work on projects to help support the business that he was attempting to build. After a while, we had so much fun and it was going so well. After an hour or so of sweating on the mat, uh, we went outside and I said, look, we're having a great time. There's a real space for us to build something special with this company. It was called the Brooklyn Press and it was a silkscreen company you just mentioned. Uh, why don't we consider engaging more deeply. He said, dude, I'm ready to get into bed now. And that essentially led to my second journey into entrepreneurialism. Well, what did you notice that was different the second time around? The second time around, it was intentional. You know, I wouldn't have been seeking that deeper engagement if I had not felt, again, constrained into that large organizational box that had trapped me the first time in government. Although nonprofit allowed more freedom, and the company that I worked for was doing amazing work. And the CEO there actually allowed his executive team to have some degree of visionary authority. It still wasn't the vision that I felt driven to create. It was still ownership of another vision. And that, to me, ultimately always ended up being a challenge within traditional employment. Yeah, I could see how that that is a pattern that would probably repeat itself if you had gone into some other job after after that one. Completely. Mm. So fast forward to today, um, you've now been an entrepreneur for several years. Yeah. What is life like? Better than I could have ever imagined. You know, as an entrepreneur, we all network in order to build our business. Not that long ago, I was at a networking group where there was the usual round robin of people giving their 30-second commercials. And then there was a spotlight presentation. The spotlight presentation that day was by a woman that ran an insurance company that catered to small businesses. I'll never forget it. I sat back when she began her presentation, prepared to be utterly bored because I did not care about insurance or so I thought. But when she started talking, I could feel her passion. 
She understood her purpose. She believed in it. She was connected to it. And one of the things that that story illustrates to me is that when you feel connected to your purpose, when you really are tied to that why that is uniquely you, it's almost like you're in some sort of gigantic river that's taking you beyond who and what you might be otherwise and is helping you actually, and is being a vehicle for you creating not just the career that you want, but the space in the world that you want the identity for yourself that you want in the world. That's the perfect allegory for how I feel on this leg of my entrepreneurial journey. I feel like I am in my river, creating myself in a way that serves others and is fulfilling as well. It's phenomenal. Scott, what's your why? Creating a space so that others can connect to their higher purpose to build a better self and a better world. That simple. Uh-huh. And, and has your why changed over time? Yes. Over the past year or so, I've really spent a lot of time attempting to focus on exactly what my why is. Before, particularly during my first, during the time that I was co-owner of that silkscreen printing company, a lot of my why was purely related to creating a unique market space for that company in a field that was highly segmented but very crowded, as well as just to see it grow. At the end of the day, that was a why that ultimately ended up being pretty superficial, It wasn't unique to why or what I believed my own purpose was to be. And so once my business partner and I agreed to an amicable separation, which is what led me to be in the current position that I am right now, like I said earlier, I really decided to focus on what my individual why would be on a deeper level. The revelatory change for me was an understanding that all of the skills and experiences that I've had in three sectors at this point, existed to build something. Connecting with my own purpose was that thread. And the area that I came to believe that I've been living, that I can provide the best service, is helping others understand that journey within themselves and creating space for them to be inspired to do so and to build their own future. And how do you do that? And what is your business currently that that feeds into your why? Twofold. First of all, as you mentioned earlier, I do a tremendous amount of public speaking on this exact issue. I have a podcast that goes to this exact theme as well. It's called Scott Mason's Purpose Highway. I also have a small business consulting firm that, among other things, helps align the business owners with who and what they need and want to be, what their goals are, their own why and their own purpose, the vision that they want to create in the world, and then put into place the actual business structures as well as the processes and procedures that are necessary for them to build that out and then scale and in a way that's safe and sustainable. Yeah, it's it's amazing how, as an entrepreneur, your path evolves in a way that, as an employee, um, it's harder to do because it's much more constrained by the structure of your employer. And the pathways of the careers that are even available for you within that organization. When you think about human resources, 
In many large organizations, it is purely an administrative function. They push paper around to make sure that the appropriate promotions go through or that if people are terminated or there are other compliance issues or if they are hired, that all of the necessary pieces are in place for that to function as almost like a mechanical wheel on a, on a truck. Other companies are more progressive in their view of human capital, but they still are constrained, even in the most progressive circumstances and even in the most far-reaching and and forward-thinking HR departments by the actual functional needs of that company. No company will hire, promote, or retain someone for a function that it has absolutely no need for. The beauty of entrepreneurialism and particularly entrepreneurialism that is in any way connected to why you believe you exist in this world is that you have that flexibility. And in fact, the habit of developing that flexibility, thinking about it yourself and being connected to the value proposition or the service that you're offering to your company puts you in a unique position to be able to grow and develop as you are changing and growing in life yourself by a pathway that works for you, which is ultimately what happened to me as I moved from the silkscreen printing company to the current businesses that I have right now. So let's talk a little bit about that process because you went through it. I'm willing to bet that if we went back to Scott in his last year working for the city of New York, Scott then was probably not able to predict that Scott today would be doing what Scott today is doing. (laughs) Not in a million years. Yet you have figured out how to make um, that leap through another, a number of steps and a number of pivots. You know, you're, you're clearly way happier now and less frustrated than you were in your last (laughs) long-term employment position. What are some of the, steps that one needs to go through to be in better alignment with one's higher purpose, particularly when you're trying to to do this as you shift from being an employee to being an entrepreneur? First of all, I think that it is important to be able to move beyond the mindset of fulfilling social expectations. I had been trained as a lawyer. I went to law school because I was a classic undergrad who had a degree in English literature, knew I wasn't good at math, knew I wasn't good at science, wanted a high prestige, flexible and high paying career. So I went to law school. Not a good reason, but I still did it. The idea that I needed to go into, for instance, a high paying, high prestige profession was ultimately driven by social expectations. I removed my own feeling states, my own desires, and my own sensibilities about really who and what was possible for me and suppressed them further and further as I moved up that city career ladder because I was continually not only confined by social expectations, but driven by them. People expect me. I am expected to Others will be impressed if, and all of those sorts of things, as I received promotions. When you are in that mindset for as long as I am, and many of us are who are in traditional employment, you can develop that sense of your profession or who you are as a core part of your identity. That identity can feel extinguished if you are faced with the prospect of leaving it behind. 
So the first thing that I had to do, and I don't know that even the first time I was an entrepreneur, I successfully did it. So it took me a little bit of practice and some mistakes along the way, was being willing to shed the importance of that social approval from your identity repertoire. That's number one. Number two, a lot of times you'll hear things like, well, what will ultimately make you happy? What will bring you money? What will take you where you need to go in life as an entrepreneur versus in employment or even put you in the position to determine what your entrepreneurial path should be is related to your passion. I actually pretty strongly disagree with that. You know, I have a passion for electronic dance music. It will not ever suffice as any sort of entrepreneurial journey outcome for me. It just won't. But what will suffice is examining the skills that you have realistically, both the hard skills and the soft skills. What are the things that you have repeatedly heard over and over you do well? When people talk to you and describe your characteristics from a skill set perspective, what do they say over and over? And how have those skills intertwined with the specific work experience that you have? You connect that then with areas that you believe service to others can be identified. The melding of those things, along with the willingness to shed identity, is ultimately what I believe will be your driver. Yeah, that, that's very well said. And it, this does spark a question in my mind. So unlike you, there are many people that move from employment to entrepreneurship by circumstance, where the circumstance is they get fired. Yeah. Not for performance issues. It's, it's pretty common for people, particularly when they're in the 20-plus year of service stage of their career. Yep. Where they're at least comfortably compensated, if not very well compensated. Yeah. Something changes either in the marketplace or something changes in the, the corporate hierarchy above them where somebody decides, well, we no, no longer need Scott. Yeah. And all of a sudden, without any notice, Scott finds himself unemployed. And in those circumstances, one of the things that I see happening over and over and over again is the conflict between the social expectations that you've described and what this newly unemployed person needs to be able to do and how that person needs to communicate to others if that person wants to be an entrepreneur in the next phase of her or his career. Um, so what advice do you have for somebody to realize that social expectations have been a major driver up until that point. And what do you do in terms of your own self-image, your self-identity to overcome the, frankly, the trauma that, you, that you're feeling because all of a sudden your, your public face is no longer meeting the social expectations? And how do you communicate what you need to communicate so you can move forward and not go into deep despair? Yeah. You know, I can completely relate to that. During my first entrepreneurial trip, between when I worked for the city and when I worked for the nonprofit, I was at a movie theater and I saw someone that I had known for many years but had not seen for a long time. And he came up to me and he asked me 
what I was doing these days. And I said, oh, I am transitioning. I am doing some consulting work. I was just beginning to develop my consulting practice with the martial arts schools that I mentioned earlier. And I had not fully reformed my identity. And without a reformed identity in place, I was struggling to say the very least to articulate it. I'll never forget it. He said, Scott, what exactly is it that you're doing? And I sort of said something half-hearted and, uh, again, sort of a pathetic excuse for an elevator's pitch that was really reflecting my own internal conflicts inside. And he kept nailing and nailing. And finally, he said, Scott, really, you're just unemployed, right? And it was devastating. I mean, it stuck with me. It, it, that was over a year ago, and I still remember it. I mean, over 10 years ago, and I still remember it. So I think that that is something that anyone can relate to. And I would say, with regards to the example that you gave, even if you did lose your job for performance reasons, you know, sometimes that can strike the same core because we all make mistakes. And it could be that the mistake that you made was not even that significant, but it was significant to that company and utterly and completely derailed your career. So I think that the first thing that is important to understand is that our identity, in order to be successful in life, our identity has to some extent to be shiftable. Someone that worked for me once told me, I used to bring when I worked for the city, pictures of my family. I brought little pieces of art to work. I decorated my desk. It felt like a home away from home. This person that worked for me who had been around a lot longer than me, by the way, told me, work isn't home, Scott. I don't have anything at my desk because it could end tomorrow. I'm not going to place my whole identity into that. She was absolutely right, David. Absolutely right. So understanding that right up front and understanding that tying your identity too much to that one thing is dangerous is step A. But if it's too late for that, if you've already tied yourself to that identity and there you are all of a sudden aged out of your profession looking for something new, one of the other things that I would recommend to do is consider whether entrepreneurialism truly is right for you. One can say, I want to be an entrepreneur now because it is romanticized in our society or because it's a way to create a quick identity for yourself while you are switching between paid jobs. That new phase of your career may be another paid employment position that's just in a different sector or doing something different, or maybe even a lateral or slightly you know, downward scaled position. If you're saying it purely to establish some work-related identity for yourself, I would argue that it's almost certainly going to put you in the position that I was in, which is being unprepared to truly and fully assume it. If, on the other hand, you feel like this is something you've been waiting to do anyway, and this is the time now, because you've been aged out or pushed out of your job, or there's been some corporate shuffle, then fully embrace it, but don't be afraid to reach out for help. You and I both know, and I'm sure so many of your listeners know, that saying, I don't know what to do, I don't know who I am, is something you cannot walk into a large corporate office and utter aloud and expect to be taken seriously for very long. 
There are resources out there, whether they are people that you may have in your network or they are professional, you know, they're professional career counselors that work with those sorts of issues. If you're not able to say that, you're going to struggle for a long time. And a lot of times the best career counselors are those that can help provide you with guidance to understand how your skills experience can connect to what sort of service you feel most deeply driven by and put you down a path where entrepreneurialism can make more sense to you. Understand that the network that we have that can help you explore whether entrepreneurialism is truly right for you is everywhere you go. One place that I began to talk to the owner of about entrepreneurialism was a woman that owned a coffee shop half a block from my house. I'd known her all my life. I bought coffee there. I just popped in one day, said, tell me a little bit about what it's like to own a business, how you ended up here. What is your, what is your experience? What are the ups and downs? Things like that, people like that are everywhere. And it is well worth the time, almost as an educational investment, to spend money, energy, focus, and thought on those folks who can, who can give you a sense as to what you're really entering into. It's not for everyone, sweeping statements to the contrary notwithstanding. Well said. Scott, we've covered so much ground about your own individual journey, about lessons you've learned going from employment to becoming an entrepreneur. And you clearly have lots of expertise to offer somebody going through this and those that are now entrepreneurs trying to figure out how to make it work or how to make it work better. If somebody wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, access any resources you have or learn more, where is the best place to go? ScottMasonLLC.com. If you are interested in any of the small business growth and scaling services that I mentioned earlier, if you're interested in having me speak at your special event or to a group that you're involved with, or if you're just interested in having a conversation, go to SpeakerScott.com. And if you want inspiration, go to Scott Mason's Purpose Highway, which is at www.PurposeHighway.com. Sounds great. Well, I want to thank you again, Scott, for taking the time to join us today. My guest has been speaker, business consultant, and mentor, Scott Mason. Thank you again, Scott, for joining us. Thank you. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to find your why as an entrepreneur and much more. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them learn how to build a successful business after a late career job loss. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.